Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. Feeling all aligned. I just got back from Pilates. Feeling nice and tall. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, Dimity, I can't wait any longer because as I alluded earlier, I have news to tell you. And um, it's that we have a new member of the family. Yes. We oh, have... you got the kitty already. We got the kitty. Oh, my goodness. Oh my <laughs> wow. Wait, let me let me give the backstory here because and then and then you can tell me all about the kitty. OK, because Sarah is a very um, there are pet people in this world and there are non animal people in this world. And Sarah falls definitely in the latter camp. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying that that's that's where she falls. Uh-huh. Um, I own that. And, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we'll go to these house parties, and there'll be dogs, and I'll be loving on the dog. And Sarah's like, uh huh, and like give it like a little like pinky pat, and be like, okay, now go away. <laughs> I don't want to see you anymore. And um and so um anyway, yeah, you're. I guess wait, we talked about no, it on you, one pod. Yeah, I was about to say you have to own your role in it because you definitely we talked about it on the podcast, but then you'd also on phone calls or even in person, you'd be like. Sarah, you need to think about your kids, okay? I really think a pet is an important part of their life, and it can be really meaningful. And and I, you know, you were a little oh, pre- yeah, you were a little preachy, but it but it got through to me. So oh, good. Well, no, I mean it's true. I mean there, I mean there's something about you know, and again, I'm not judging people who don't have pets or don't want pets. Um, but you know, there's that unconditional love that comes from an animal that I don't think is replicated anywhere. I mean, you kind of try to give your kids that and your spouse that, but you know, they get under your skin for sure more than, you know, 17,000 times a day. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it struck me when we got Mason, I told you that was the other big news. Um, and I went, I go read at Ben's class, um, once a week. And so he gets to walk me to the office when I'm done. Um, kind of, that's his treat because I came in and um, every time he asked me, like, how was Mason? Has he chewed anything up today? Did he go in his cage? Okay. You know, you can just tell and they come home and they're like, oh, Mason, hi, Mason, and love on him. And, you know, I just think that there's something, that connection is really, really special. And I mean, I love it too. I mean, I just love that I can say anything to my dogs and they, they understand because I'm saying it. <laughs> and they, they take my side because I'm saying it. And, and to have that, um, you know, have that uh, opportunity you know, if it's something that you're entertaining and you were, you know, I'll definitely rally for the animals anytime. So tell me, what, tell me about the kitty. So, um, so anyway, so, and I did a lot of research on it. I, um, and I talked about it a lot on runs, uh, Molly, my, um, good buddy here, uh, that I run with often, she is a veterinarian. So she gave a lot of, um, insider advice. And then Sheila, my partner that I talk about in the, um, race prep chapter of train like a mother she has this cat that, oh my goodness, I just love her cat, Bo. And um, he was everything I wanted in a cat. He was friendly. He, I, he's a tabby, all this stuff. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you got it at the Humane Society? You can actually get a good cat at the Humane Society? I was so 
overjoyed by that. And so then um, she and I ran, I guess, a week and a half ago, and she told so gave me the long version, and that they had had two cats during the summer that did not work out. She didn't know before she went to the Humane Society what the word feral meant. And so, oh, so it wasn't a red flag when they told her that. Um, so anyway, so I had, you know, I, I own the fact that I am very specific and I know what I like and I know what I don't like. So, you know, I, I had a dog when I was growing up and, and I loved Tucker. And so, um, but I have, and we had a cat, but I didn't really like that cat so much. And I'm, I'm not a cat person. And so I knew it had to be, I had to be specific about what I wanted in a cat. So I wanted a tabby cat, either brown or gray. And um, based on Molly's advice, I wanted a, a male cat, um, neutered, obviously. And, um, and what, you're not, you're not going to start a kitten breeding farm? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm on board, but I'm not really, I'm not driving the train that much. And so um, anyway, so and then but then yesterday morning, Molly said, oh, you know, um, kittens are typically born in the spring or early fall. So it's going to be tough to find a kitten now because we wanted to get a kitten uh, for the kids for Christmas. And she's like, oh, that's going to be really tough. And I suddenly like went into panic mode of, you know, here, I don't know, a month ago, I didn't even want a cat. And now I'm like, what? I might not be able to get cat right now. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so, kitty, 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 kitty. Yeah. so, um, so Jack mobilized in the Oregon Humane Society, um, has their um, pets that can be adopted. They have them online. And so he found um, Miller, who is um, a boy, brown tabby, um, almost three months old, they think. And so he looked mighty cute. So I called and they said, yes, he was available. And we went out there and met him. We did not bring the kids because um, we didn't want to get their hearts up. They know nothing about this. They were all at um, sleepovers last night because there's no school this week. And so it is going to be an absolute and utter surprise slash shock for them when um, they meet Miller a little later on today. So, so is Miller home with you yet? Yes, Miller is. Miller spent the night with us last night. Yes. So, oh, did you let him sleep in your bed? No, because they give very specific instructions. They say, um, they being the Humane Society, um, put the, they told us to put Miller in a small room like a bathroom and to close the door and so that he gets used to his surroundings. And so we have him on the um, third floor bathroom and um, which I was thinking of you with that shower dimity because you were so pleased. Wait, have, have you checked on Miller or have you just kind of quarantined him? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I've visited him, him a number of times today, but I was saying that I think of you with that shower because the first time you ever came to visit, um, it was off the then guest room and you were so pleased because the shower head is so high up on the wall. Um, but anyway, so, um, oh yeah, I visited Miller a bunch. I saw him, um, this morning when I got up early to, um, post on Facebook before I went to boot camp, and then came back and visited him again afterwards. And, oh, I've, I've spent quality time with him today. So he's mighty cute. He has a little kink in his tail. Um, that's like a, I guess a genetic or a little birth defect, but we love him just the same. And, um, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, uh, good for you, Sarah. That's, 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 that gives me like, you know, I like knowing that, um, that I put some good in the world. And of course, I mean, let me say as someone who's always rescued animals, you can always get a great, great animal from the Humane Society. Like, you know, again, nothing against breeders or anything like that. But, you know, I, and I often think that the mutts or the, yeah, the, the Heinz 57s of the world are the best because they don't have any of the, 
neuroticism that you know a pure breed might might have have coming from the owner of a Weimaraner. So I know I know from neurotic. Well, and I, so I have to say, Dimity. So. Um... You know, you have an influence in a lot of mother runners' lives, and I want you to know that I think of you as two big instances of having big influences in my life, which is that I'm now a regular blood donor because you um, kind of got on me for that, and then now... I didn't get on you for that. Well, it converted me to being a blood donor. I'm trying to give you a compliment, Dimity. No, I know, but I I don't want to make it sound like I gave you crap for not donating blood. (laughs) And, uh, and now I definitely, I mean, one of my first thoughts last night after we brought the cat home, I was like, I can't wait to tell Dimity and I'll get to s- spring it on her on the podcast. So I'm so I'm very proud of you, Sarah. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Can't wait. Well, that, the picture's got to lead. The picture's got to be on the, uh, you got, we got, I need a pick of Miller ASAP. Okay. Jack took a very cute one. It is mighty tough to take a picture of a kitten. He just was just all, you know, checking everything out. So uh, Jack got a very good picture that he, that we texted to a couple people last night. So yes, yes. So um, anyway, so, but let's go um, to introducing our guest. Um, We are not here to talk about cats today. We are here to talk about sports nutrition and we have Cassie Dimmick, who is a sports dietitian and certified running coach, as well as a mother runner and a Boston qualifier. And she lives in Springfield, Missouri. And you were the one who suggested that she be on the podcast um, because you've interviewed her a few times for magazine articles, right? Yeah, yeah. Just um, we forgot to put it, but her website is Achieving Your Best, which is AchievingYourBest.net. And it's Cassie Dimmick. D-I-M-M-I-C-K, just because once you hear, you're going to want to go to a website and check out some of her resources. Um, but yeah, she's, I've, I've interviewed her a number of times for Runner's World, and I think she's been involved with their challenges or something. And um, I just, every time I talk to her, she's got, because sports nutrition can be a little, a little repetitive. And every time I talk to her, she's got a new take or a new idea or a new study that just came out. And it's just, she keeps things fresh and she, and she knows, you know, she knows the mother runner, mother runner tribe. I mean, she's got two kids. She's a super talented runner. I mean, she is one of us, except for that. She probably eats a lot better than, than we do. (laughs) (laughs) And probably runs a little faster, but well, great. Well, uh, let's bring Cassie on. So Cassie, we love uh, that you're a mother runner. I mean, when Dimity suggested that we have you on as a guest, I don't, I'm not sure she knew that. Um, how old are your kids? I have a nine-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter. Oh, nice. Nice. Are they both in school? or? One's in pre-K, the younger one, and my older one is in third grade. So, so and then looking over your site, we saw that um, after you became a pro at sports nutrition and as a running coach, that's when you put what you know to personal use and you cut 45 minutes off your marathon time, which is just astonishing, and you qualified for the Boston Marathon. So congratulations on that. <laughs> um, what, what would you say are the three changes or improvements that you made um, that made the biggest differences for you? The biggest difference was my daily eating. I started thinking about food as fuel. And I think, you know, as I was, as I was raised and as I grew up as a female, I always felt like food wasn't the enemy, but it was something that I tried not to eat too much of. I didn't think of it as fuel for my body. And whenever I changed my philosophy and knew I needed to eat at certain times to feel good and support what I was doing for my running, that made a huge difference in my energy level, my recovery, 
and how I performed as well. So that was that was a number one thing. And then secondly was getting my uh, racing fluid and fuel down where I knew exactly what my body needed and I was able to, you know, give myself the fluid it needed and the fuel during the race so I was able to finish strong cuz I'm a really strong finisher in the race. So <laughs> uh-huh. and I think part of that's because I actually, you know, have my regimen that I do. I train with it and I do it during races. So I I got that all figured out. And then the last thing was the the running coaching. I started running more during the week and I actually slowed down a little bit because I could, you know, I could run fast, but I, I think I was trying to do my fastest time on all my runs and I didn't, you know, didn't have a whole lot of time to run. So I actually started doing a little bit longer runs during the week, slowing down and having some specific targeted runs to run faster during the week, but it wasn't every run. So that helped me as as well. So, so how long have you been a sports nutritionist and how long have you, or sports dietitian, excuse me, um, and how long have you been a running coach, Cass? So I've been a sports dietitian uh, for about nine years now. So it's been a little while. Um, and so or actually 10, I, I take that back. It's been about 10 years. And then um, I've been a running coach for about seven years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, started doing the sports nutrition road before I did the running coach road. Um, you know, I wasn't a runner. I was never an athlete. I just thought it was really fun to work with athletes. I love them as clients. And I always wanted to be an athlete, but I was, you know, I was kind of the slow kid. Nobody picked for anything in school. And, uh, you know, and so we I know really that story. We like that story around here. Yeah. So, you know, and I never knew I could, could really do anything. And so, but I'm a really hard worker and, you know, I'm persistent. And so I think, uh, it was really fun for me to actually be good at something and be able to work hard and accomplish something that I never thought that I could do. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's been about 10 years, I'd say. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm just curious. So, I mean, do you, when you work with your clients, are you, I mean, like, say I came to you and like, I want some running, you know, I want you to coach me for running. Will you also give me nutrition advice or is that like a separate package? It is a separate package. I always, you know, I, I, I'll talk to anybody on the street that'll listen to me about nutrition, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, but so I always give some help to anybody I'm, I'm talking to with running or, you know, even I'm a, also a personal trainer. So I, I do weight training as well with clients and I'm always talking to them about nutrition, but for me to sit down and, and do a specific plan, uh, which is what I like to do, you know, and I do different plans for different days, whether they do longer runs or shorter runs, you know, all of that specific detail, it's a separate, um, plan for that. Mm-hmm. And are, are most of your clients kind of high level, you know, trying to qualify for Boston or doing an Ironman or do, do you have kind of, do you th- think there is something that beginners or, um, just starting out runners can gain and do you work with people like that? So absolutely. I, that's the people I think that I help the most because they, you know, I would say are more open-minded and they, they don't have their routine already set. Um, you know, but I have people that have never run before and are just starting out and say they're, you know, a new mom and they're trying to get back into shape and think it'd be fun to do their first 5k all the way up to someone who's trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, you know, so you, it's just, and everything in between. So I like working with everyone and I feel like, you know, I can help everyone at whatever level they are, but, um, especially those newbies, it's fun to work with. And I really enjoy it because they get so excited, you know, cause I, and I remember that whenever I first started out doing stuff, you could really tell a difference with the nutrition and the running at the beginning. So what do you tell them the, the, whatever level the uh, runner they are? I mean, what do you think are some of the best foods for fueling runners? What the best 
food really is going to be, you know, it depends on the timing, but before workouts, I tell them to focus on carbs. And I think a lot of people these days are, you know, and especially a few years ago, were scared of carbs and, and women who are watching their calories. And I know a lot of my clients are trying to run so they can lose some body fat. And so, you know, a lot of people want to run just for fun and, and they're happy where they are as far as body fat goes. But I'd say that 90% of the people I work with are not in that situation. And so, you know, everyone wants to get a little bit leaner um, for the most part that I work with. So um, they're looking at count, counting calories and trying to decrease what they're eating. And, and I tell the majority of them that they need to eat more, which is kind of a fun part of my job as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, the carbs are important and not overdoing it, but actually you know, having some before you go out and run. So your body's metabolism works well and your body burns fat as a fuel. Um, so that before and then afterwards, a lot of people don't eat anything, especially moms. You know, we, we go, we run, we get our kids ready for school. We drop them off. We go, if we go to work, we do whatever we're doing. And then we say, oh, it's noon and I haven't eaten anything, you know? So, so just trying to get a schedule and, and making sure that they take time for themselves, but eating, you know, carbs and protein after a workout is just as important as what you're doing before too. So well, so uh, this is kind of uh, a little bit of, a, excuse me, a tangent, but, you know, I mean, that whole paleo, clean eating, you know, no wheat um, thing is is kind of big right now. And I've done it, this is Dimity, and I've done it a little bit. And I'm just curious, I mean, what's your take on it? Do you feel like runners can get the right kind of, the right kind of energy and get that glycogen conversion with, you know, eating like quinoa and brown rice and, you know, staying away from what we typically think of as carbs? Right. Well, that's, you know, that's a great question. And I have a lot of questions about paleo. And there's actually a paleo diet for endurance athletes that's totally different from the regular paleo diet. I don't think that paleo in general is a good diet for endurance runners. It's just research shows that we need carbs and you use carbs whenever you're burning body fat. And so you need to take those in. And there, I went to a lecture at a sports nutrition, sports nutrition conference in Chicago, and they talked about this and, you know, kind of train the training high, um, or training low and then, and then eating carbs right before your race. And then you're ready to go for your race. Um, and you're glycogen depleted most of the time, which is what paleo is. Um, but really whenever you do that injury rate is higher sickness rate is higher and you don't get that much better performance whenever you train that way. And so, and it's a lot harder whenever you're glycogen depleted to go out there and run. So I do not recommend paleo. I think it has great, some great uh, things that it says and gets people to do. Someone who's going from a a McDonald's diet and goes on paleo is going to have a health benefit, you know, but, uh, but I think that, you know, in paleo, they, they don't recommend that you eat quinoa. They don't recommend that you eat brown rice. They don't recommend that you eat any kind of wheat products. Um, it's really hard to get enough carbs in whenever you're eating that way and you're cutting out that many foods. And so I don't see it realistically as something that people can maintain and that can meet their needs. Um, some people can, but I'd say for the majority, I don't recommend it. So this is a little, uh, um, so maybe, I mean, go through just, I mean, a typical day, like if you had to tell a mother runner, say she's running five miles or six miles or something, you know, not crazy far, but still definitely an effort. Um, like what's a good breakfast, lunch, dinner for her? Yeah, that's a great question. So a good breakfast. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. 
For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. Like I said, would be focused mainly on carbs if, you know, typically people run in the morning. But even if they don't, you know, if, you, if they do run, having something like a banana, an English muffin, something that's whole grain, um, a granola bar, those Nature Valley granola bars are great. They're easy. Most people like them. So, um, you know, having a little something before they go out for their workout is good. Or in the morning, if you're going to work out later in the day or after your kids go to school, Uh, something like a bowl of cereal and some fruit with some milk and a scrambled egg or an egg sandwich works, works really well. Um, I also recommend doing some pre pre prepared foods like, uh, on the weekends, if you scramble some eggs and make some soft tacos with whole wheat tortillas and you can freeze those individually and then just take them out of the the freezer and put them in the microwave and heat them up and have that in the morning. So that's another easy thing. I think everybody's busy, especially moms. We're trying to get the kids out the door, get them going for the day. Um, so something that's quick and easy is good. Oatmeal also makes a great breakfast. Um, And then for lunch, having something that is lighter for most people works well, something that has a lot of veggies. I usually recommend six servings of vegetables a day. So that means you need to get about three servings at lunch, which would be like a large salad with some lean protein. Salmon is really good. Um, Chicken, shrimp, that kind of stuff. And then or tuna. Those are all good protein sources. Have that on a salad with some beans or a side of a whole grain English muffin or whole wheat crackers. Um, and some fruit. That's a great lunch. And then dinner is something, um, again, that's going to be mainly focused on veggies, um, some whole grains like quinoa, brown rice, whole wheat pasta, um, nice salad, or some steamed broccoli. I like for people to get some cooked and some raw veggies every day since the nutrient availability is different depending on whether it's cooked or raw. Um, 
and then some nice healthy fat in there like olive oil and some chicken or salmon or some other lean protein like that. Oh, now I'm, now I'm hungry. I, we shouldn't have recorded this right before lunch. I should have eaten something. Um, this is a total tangent, but you're talking about the fruits and vegetable servings. So I am a creature of habit and I have the same breakfast every morning and it's a smoothie and it's the recipes and train like a mother. And I always wondered, does somehow like smashing them up in a blender change the nutrients or delete the nutrients or does it make them easier to obtain because they're kind of like pre-chewed? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. It doesn't really change them except it does, you know, like pre-chew them, like you said. Um, And so you're still getting all of those nutrients in and you're absorbing them more quickly. So smoothies Mm. are great, um, you know, around a workout, especially after a workout or before a workout, because it's going to be absorbed quickly into your muscles, into your body where you need that, that energy and that fuel. And so smoothies are great for that reason. And you can put a lot of stuff in there um, that's really good for you. And you can use frozen fruit, which, you know, hard, it's hard in the wintertime in a lot of places to get nice berries and different things. And you can use frozen berries um, in the winter in smoothies. And that's really good. So and I put spinach and kale in there and all kinds of fun stuff. So so I like hearing you say that it's easy to for your body to use it, you can use the the pre chewed things more quickly, because I tell you, I have an iron stomach, and I can pretty much have my smoothie moments before I head out the door on a long run. But on a weekday run, I I don't eat beforehand. I mean, I usually don't eat before a run unless it's going to be 75 or 90 minutes or longer, but I think I might be an exception. Like what, what advice do you give people for when they should eat before a run if it's a morning run? Yeah, that's a great question. If you can even eat five minutes before, you're going to get a training benefit from that. So they've shown in research that people run faster, they don't fatigue as fast. But sometimes you're only going out for a 30 minute run, for example, in the mornings. And so that would be a case where you don't have to run for a long time. You're not going to peter out during a 30-minute run typically. And so not eating something before that type of run would be okay, even though it would be better to eat. So that's where I would say if you can eat 5 to 30 minutes before, uh, you would get a, a benefit. And you could have something as small as I recommend one of those little applesauce cups that our kids eat. <laughs> and so, you know, the no-sugar-added applesauce. And that just gives you 50 calories, it gets you going, it gets your fat metabolism going, and makes your body comfortable with what you're doing. I see so many women that go out and they don't fuel themselves well, and that causes your body just to hang on to body fat. And whenever they start eating and fueling correctly, they get leaner with that with eating more calories. So it's a, it's pretty amazing. I read all about that in research, but it really does work. Hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. So, so having a little something to eat before you go running helps with fat metabolism? Yes, it does. Oh. So fat burns in a carbohydrate flame, which is what they always said in <laughs> class. But, but yes, and I think it's a common misconception that people think that they'll burn more body fat if they don't eat before. But that's really not the case. You're going to be burning body fat because you're a runner. And when you're running, your body's going to have more mitochondria, your body's going to be, you know, that's why you train to do that, to burn body fat as a fuel. And so um, you have those adaptations to running that you get from being a runner. And if you're eating carbs and your body's happy with what you're eating, it's going to do that more effectively than if you don't. 
Oh, I'm sending Jack to Costco right now to get a box of those <laughs> little apple sauces. I tell you, just to pop in. I mean, I, I like a banana before everyone. I do a banana or like two sheets of graham crackers if we're out of bananas. Um, yeah, the, and those are the other, those are two other ones I recommend for sure. Bananas because they're easy um, and most people can tolerate those very well. Apples, apple slices, those work well too, or a handful of grapes. So any any fresh fruit will work well. Um, graham crackers work great to English or half an English muffin, a piece of toast, uh, that whole grain works well. The granola bars work well too. Um, so any of those, those little packs, you know, I'm, you can tell I'm a mom cause I'm like those little, you know, graham crackers that are shaped like angry birds or, you know, whatever, <laughs> one of those, any of those little packs, um, of graham crackers will, will work really well. Well, switching directions a little bit, um, you know, especially around this time of the holidays, um, the, I call it runner's entitlement and I'm as guilty as anybody else, but it's this idea that, I mean, running is hard and it makes you feel like you're working really hard, right? So whether you're going for three miles or 13 or 20, like you kind of come home and you're like, oh, but I ran today. So I can have, you know, five Oreos for dessert or I can have, you know, another slice of pizza, you know, at, at 9 PM or whatever. Um, I mean, do you, do you come up against that, that idea that because, because running is so, So it just feels like you're just incinerating calories. And so you kind of feel like you have an empty garbage can to put them back into. Yes, absolutely. And people really overestimate how many calories they burn during workouts and they underestimate how many calories they eat. So, you know, yes, you do get more calories when you run, but like I said, it's just not always as much as people think. Um, so, you know, I, I like for people to get those extra calories in before and after their workouts when their body really needs them. And then later in the day, you know, eat their normal nutrition. And so, you know, the holidays are an exception. I'm a firm believer that on the actual holiday, like Thanksgiving, um, and Christmas and, you know, the Halloween and all those actual holidays where people tend to overeat, um, that you go ahead and indulge in your favorite foods those days, but try to listen to your hunger and not overstuff yourself, but eat whatever you want, um, just small portions. And then right after that day, go right back to your normal, healthy eating. And so that's how, you know, you can not feel deprived. You can still participate, still have your grandma's, you know, pumpkin pie or (laughs) pecan pie or whatever it is. Uh, we have homemade sure. cinnamon rolls Christmas morning and we love those, you know, and it's a family tradition and I, I definitely eat one, you know, but, but then the day after Christmas, um, I only make enough for that day, you know, and then there aren't, there aren't them, they don't hang around our house all week after that for me to eat all day. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I remember I talked to one expert once that said, you know, it's a holiday, not a hollow week or a hollow month. Right. Like, you <laughs> right. Gotta, exactly. You, I, I think that's really smart. That's, and, um, because it is so hard, I think, you know, I mean, even now I'm already like, oh, well, I've got to bake cookies and I've got to do this. And I just made to tomorrow Thanksgiving. And I just made a chocolate tart that, you know, no, no dietitian would ever approve of. It's got like whole milk, a couple sticks of butter. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to, to, uh, to kind of think about, what, what you're eating and not, and not say no, because I feel like then you don't want to be a martyr and it feels yucky inside, but, um, but just being smart about it. Right. And so much of our culture is around food. And I think when people try to, you know, not participate in that, that makes them feel bad. That makes our family feel bad. And, and it's not a good situation. You should celebrate the holiday and make it fun, enjoy yourself and not be stressed about not being able to eat anything. But like you said, you know, go, I always start the day off with a turkey trot, you know, so tomorrow morning I'm doing the turkey trot 
And I know it's only three miles and it's going to be with my kids. So it's, we're not going to break any records or anything, but, (laughs) but we're doing it as a family. And then, you know, and then we'll go, um, and my grandma and my mom are right now making probably stuffing with several sticks of butter and all that good stuff. So, you know, but I'm going to go have a spoonful of that and a, you know, spoonful of whatever I want. And I think that helps when you can go in with attitude of, I can eat whatever I want. I'm going to just focus on keeping the portion small and listening to my hunger and stopping before I get so full that I'm sick, you know, and a lot of people eat until they're sick on Thanksgiving and that's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the idea of getting your calories around kind of book ending your workout. Um, and I think that this happens, especially to, I mean, I know it happens to me and I've, we've heard it happening on our Facebook page to a lot of women um, after a longer workout, you're just not hungry. Like it's, you know, like even this morning I had a really hard bike ride and I just didn't want to, eat anything afterwards. And I know that I have got that window that I've got to get something in, but like just nothing sounds good. Yeah. What do you do in that situation? Well, I try to, to get people to drink something if they can. And that's where the smoothies come in. Um, or, you know, have small frequent snacks every two hours if they even they can't get a smoothie in because sometimes smoothies can be filling as well. And so focus on having something with a little bit of protein and a little bit of carbs. Like, for example, you know, right after you finish your workout, if you can eat one vanilla Greek yogurt and then two hours later, have some graham crackers with some peanut butter and a piece of fruit. And, you know, I think if, if sometimes if you're not thinking about having a huge meal, it's not as daunting and you can fit something in, um, you know, and then a lot of it is just because you're not used to eating anything. And I've worked with a lot of people where we start off really small, where even it's just, a, you know, one graham cracker sheet right after they work out. And then, you know, we'll go and increase it um, a little bit and a little bit each week until they can stomach a little bit more food because that recovery time is so important for building muscle, increasing your glycogen stores, recovering all of those things and having a good workout, your next workout. So I really try to focus on getting people. I haven't worked with anyone that really couldn't work something in, you know, in there somehow. And kind of working off that, um, queasy feeling, um, theme. I used to have the problem, I guess it was last year after every half marathon I do, I'd throw up, um, and not right at the finish line. So I'd be, I remember walking back to the car one time, um, here in Portland and just having to go over to some bushes and, and hurl. And, um, so, I mean, what, what causes that? And, and, um, you know, is there anything I can do about it? It's, it's stopped thankfully, but I got kind of worried about it for a while. So you don't, you don't have that problem anymore. I don't, I don't know. Knock on wood. <laughs> That's good. Right. <laughs> Knock on wood. Well, part, it can be due to a, a lot of different things, but the most common reasons that I see that, uh, number one is people not eating or drinking anything during their race until the end and your stomach really can't handle anything at that point. It absorbs food and fluid if more readily if it has something on it. So if you let it totally get empty, and a lot of people don't eat before their race either or eat very little, and then um, and then they start running really hard, your stomach's not going to be ready to take anything in. So when you do, and even if it's after the race, if you take something in right away, if you drink water or drink something, um, try to eat something after the race, it's going to just come back up because your body's not going to absorb it. And your stomach is stressed. Your body's stressed from really a hard effort during your race. So those are, you know, those are a couple of reasons that it will just come back up because your stomach's rebelling. And then, you know, you can often have, um, remnants of that throughout the whole day where you can hardly eat anything, your stomach hurts, you have GI problems. And so, um, you know, if you eat correctly and start drinking something at 
at the, from the beginning of your race, like at least by two miles, having something in your stomach, little sips of stuff throughout the race. And then, um, you know, making sure that you have your breakfast before and keep something on your stomach throughout that usually helps mm-hmm. uh, with that. Mm-hmm. And you touched on uh, the final final question, I think is going to have to be about GI issues then, because we hear that so often on our Facebook page that people just um, get the other problem at the other end of the shoot, um, oh. not the throwing up. And um, so, I mean, what what can people do about that? Is there anything with their nutrition that they can do to ease that problem? And with that, again, you know, I usually it's kind of uh, have to be a detective and try to figure out what is going on because people are different and some people have different reactions to gels or drinks or, you know, not having something, having something. So, so we'll start with, you know, where they are. And I, I always try to recommend, like I said, people's stomach works better during running if they're taking something in at least every 15 minutes. So, um, just little bits. And, and we start off with maybe two ounces or one ounce every 15 minutes. And that tends to be easier on their stomach. Um, you know, running itself is hard on your stomach. It's harder than biking. It's harder than, you know, some other things just because of the jostling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times people don't absorb well, and then they dump a bunch of stuff in their system and it just goes, either comes up or goes right through them. It depends <laughs> on the person. And so, and it's not fun for either, either of those things are not fun. Um, and so, you know, I try to do the focus on the small, frequent drinks. Um, and then, you know, some people's blood sugar is affected whenever they're working out. Um, and so I've messed with their protein content, what they're taking in during their running, and that's helped um, with stuff coming out the other end. And so, you know, and, and other people I've, you know, worked with different types of drinks or different foods. And so, you know, it just really depends on the, the reason for the problem. And so um, it can vary. But those are just a few things that I start with to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And Cassie, just clarify, are you talking when you say one or two ounces of drink, do you mean like sports drink with calories in it or just starting with water if, they, if they're having problems? I mean, because you don't, I don't think you need like a sports drink on a five mile run, right? Right. No, you don't. If you're running for over an hour, then that's when I recommend sports drinks. Um, but you know, those shorter runs, you certainly don't need a sports drink and just water would be what you would do, but you would still, and a lot of people on those short runs think, Oh, well, I'm just running three or four or five miles. I don't need to drink anything. And you know, your gut needs to be trained just like your muscles do, just like your heart does. And so just like your lungs do. And so I, I use every opportunity that I run to help train my gut. And so even on those shorter runs at four miles, I have my water, I'm drinking it every 15 minutes and making sure that my stomach is staying happy. That's a good point. That's awesome. That's a really good advice. Good. Thank you so much, Cassie, for joining us. This was really informative. We appreciate it. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Have fun on the turkey trot. (laughs) Thank you very much. Have a great Thanksgiving. (laughs) Bye-bye. Wow. She's just a wealth of information. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I walked away from, or I'm going to walk away from with this is that you have to keep your body oiled, like your car, like you, you know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not going to eat and that will help me lose weight. But the reality is, is you've got to keep, you know, you got to fan the flames as she said, or, or I can't remember how she said it, but it was much more eloquent, but yeah. I mean, so just the idea, like keeping like a, a, a full tank of oil or fuel in your body will probably end up helping you be a stronger runner and, you know, lose weight if that's your ambition. Oh, I mean, I was serious when I said that I'm going to have Jack get those little applesauce things at Costco or something equivalent. I'm like, because I thought, oh, you know, I'm such a like badass mother runner because I go out for five miles without eating anything beforehand. Now it's like, oh, no, I'm going to like stop in the kitchen on my way out, you know, so... 
because um, I, I just do- don't buy the expensive, you know, those ones that are really expensive that have the, um, oh, they have the plastic tops on top. You know what I'm talking about? It's not the tree top. It's like the new, like, you know, they have like pomegranate cherry flavor or whatever it is. Oh, the ones that have excess packaging. I'm so not about that. No, I'm yeah. also thinking given how, what, how thrifty I am, I might even just, you know, um, have a jar of applesauce and then spoon it out. You can also buy big jars at Costco too. So Jack's not off the hook. <laughs> you hear that, Jack? <laughs> so anyway, well, that brings us to the end of our episode. And if you want more of this chit chat, join us on our Facebook page, Run Like a Mother, the book on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. We're tweeting it up at, at SBS on the run and at Dimity on the run. And most importantly, our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are available on Amazon.com. Thanks and many happy miles.